0: And then when I became pregnant with my son, you know, there was a large concern because it was about a year after I had started healing that, you know, I was going to either relapse or my immune system was going to just fail again. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I think he probably saved my body.
1: (laughs) You're listening to Disrupting Balance, the podcast, where we are busting myths and breaking balance. Hear stories from women who are pushing boundaries to navigate the decisions and changes that come with work, womanhood, and winning. I'm your host, Hanifa Barnes, speaker, decision strategist, and master imbalancepreneur. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Hope you enjoy. Today, we have Chrissy Cohut. This spirit-filled teacher in the classroom, in yoga, and in life learned the power of surrender early when the doctor told her that she would never have children. But miracles do happen. And while Chrissy was able to forge ahead, she also had to deal with the death of seven loved ones in four years. But this did not dampen her spirits. As she found her ability and faith and was able to reignite her quest to find herself and return to school to fulfill a lifelong dream of becoming a teacher. You don't wanna miss this. So, today in the Disrupting Balance guest chair, we have my good friend and former colleague, Chrissy Kohut. How are you today? I am good. Thank you for having me. I am so glad you're here. So glad you said yes. And as you know from our discussion, Disrupting Balance is about women's stories and how we embrace the imbalance to navigate the changes and decisions that come with work, womanhood, and winning. So tell me, Chrissy, what is your story?
0: So my story is that I am a mama and I'm a wife and I'm a school teacher and I'm a yoga teacher, um, but I am also me. And that's where I've been disrupting the balance for the last 20 years, trying to figure out how to take care of myself um, as much as I take care of everybody else. So Um, In the last few years, I began this journey in trying to help other people disrupt their balance by learning how to say yes to themselves and to uh, learn how to take care of themselves as much as they do everybody else.
1: Oh, yeah. And to that point, let's start from kind of somewhat beginning of your journey When we last spoke, you talked about being around the age of 18 or 19 and getting really sick and having a major illness. And somehow that thread of healing yourself kind of trickled through the rest of your life. So let's start talking about that illness and that time period in your life.
0: Yeah, I was um, about 18 years old and I had just graduated high school. I was about almost a year out of high school and I was working full-time and I was going to school part-time so that I could become a school teacher, which is what I always knew that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I was just sick constantly. And it was in the doctor's offices and having blood work taken and they were pumping me antibiotics and in and out of the hospital. And it finally showed up in my blood work after months and months and months that I had a severe case of mono. It affected my liver. It affected my spleen. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm five foot two and, you know, I was a healthy five foot two, 127 pound, you Mm -hmm. know, woman. And here I'd lost 20 pounds and um, nobody knew exactly what was going on with me. And that kind of scared me that I'm going to all these doctors and they can't figure out what's wrong with me. So I knew it was my autoimmune system. And at that point, um, I started researching as much as I could. I mean, back then we didn't have Google, (laughs) so you really didn't have a lot of information to go from, but I knew that trying to eat healthier and moving my body was going to be part of my journey of, of healing myself. Mm. And then when I became pregnant with my son, um, you know, there was a large concern because it was about a year after I had started healing that, you know, I was going to either like relapse or my immune system was going to just fail again. And mm-hmm. honestly, I think he probably saved my body mm-hmm. <laughs> more than anything mm-hmm. uh, because I was more con- I was concentrating more on taking care of myself because now I had a life inside mm-hmm. me that I had to take care of.
1: Yeah, and how was your mental state in that process because being 18 or 19, you know, you already got kind of the mental state and hormones and uh maturity of an 18 or 19 year old and then, you know, you're about to have a baby. Were you going back in your mind about, okay, am I ready for this? Am I healthy enough? Am, am I going to get sick again? What were some of those thoughts that you can recall from that time?
0: Yeah, so the whole episode with the mono, and then I had I had relapsed into um, like a three, four month of uh, like a severe epstein bar episode where I just had chronic fatigue and couldn't get out of bed. So mm-hmm. that was like three years of my life. And coming out of that, I was diagnosed with endometriosis and I had my first surgery. So when I went back to the doctor after um, the laparoscopy was done, um, I was told I wouldn't have kids. Mm. And if I did, it, I would need... Fertility to help me if that even helped me. Um, so when I got pregnant, I was more than ecstatic that I was pregnant because I knew that that was just a miracle baby that God planned yes. it and yes. it was meant to be. Yes. But again, I went in a little bit of a panic mode of, oh God, now I've really got to take care of myself. And I was, you know, I've got three kids. So yes. you know how it is with the first one. Yes. Yeah. When you follow all the rules <laughs> and I followed all the rules to the T. Um, with him and he came out perfectly fine. And, and you know, and my girls were, were healthy too. They were premature, but um, for, for all intents and purposes, they came out healthy. Yeah. But I, you know, focusing on taking care of myself was my priority because of him. So um, actually it, it put me in a better state of mind, I think, because I had something to really, like I said, focus on besides yeah. myself.
1: It's interesting because when I was 18 or 19 and thinking about having to deal with something so major, plus a new family on the horizon, that would sent me, would have sent me into a complete tailspin. My question is, I want to go back to, you mentioned endometriosis. I want to go back to explaining what is that for the listeners so they understand what that is and what that means when you're about to have a child and thinking about all that going on.
0: Yeah, so endometriosis runs in my family. Um, my mother and all three of her sisters all had hysterectomies, and their uh, my, my mother was in her early 30s; she had a complete hysterectomy. But the, her sisters had a complete hysterectomy by the time they were 40. So, endometriosis grows on the outside of your female organs, like your uterus, your fallopian tube, your ovaries, mm-hmm. and it causes. Um, in in every person, you know, you can have different symptoms, but I was having erratic. Um, menstruation. I was having horrendous cramps. Um, it was, you know, if, if you know anybody who has endometriosis, you'll you'll know. Like, it's not a fun time whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so my problem is when I went in to have the surgery. At that point, for most people, have a heavy flow. Most women have a heavy flow when they mm-hmm. have endometriosis. I didn't have a flow, and they couldn't figure it out. And they pumped me up with, um, high estrogen trying to get me to have a menstruation, um, flow and it just wasn't happening. So that's when they went in and they did the surgery and they removed all the endometriosis. It was underneath my uterus. It was around my left ovary and it was a lot. And, um, they were waiting for me to have a flow and it just didn't come, uh, at that time. It finally did a few months later. Um, and, Within a month, I conceived Cody. Hmm. So I was 21 when I got pregnant with him. And uh, as my doctor told me, you know, your your best bet of getting pregnant is in your younger years. And thank goodness that I did at that time because every time you have a laparoscopy and have the endometriosis removed. It, you have a five to ten year window of it coming back, and that's what he told me after I had each wow. each of my kids. Wow. You've got a five to ten year window in between, so if you want another child, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to try quickly. Yeah. Um, so we did. So they're all two years apart.
1: Wow. So you called Cody your first baby, your miracle baby, mm-hmm. and the word miracle is a powerful word. Means different things to different people, but we all know it's kind of this unexpected result out of something you didn't even see. Tell me about miracles for you in your life and what that means in your life.
0: Uh, I truly believe in miracles. Um, I believe I, I believe every person is in, has miracles coming in their life. You just have to be willing and open to accept them mm-hmm. um, and to recognize them as well. And you can ask for a small miracle or you can ask for a large miracle. So when I when I left the doctor's office, when he told me you're not having children, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I was a wreck, came home, I cried. Scott and I, you know, I told him because we had just we were gonna have a future children, and um that wasn't in the looking like it was in the cards for me. And I said to him, it's gonna be okay. You know, when that time comes, when we are ready, supposedly ready, you know, like mm-hmm. everybody thinks they're ready for everything. <laughs> when we're ready to have kids, we'll worry about it then. Mm-hmm. And I just left it up to, you know, I left it up to my higher power. Like mm-hmm you give me whatever it is that you want me if if it's fostering children if it's adopting children mm. if it's what whatever that case may be
1: mm-hmm.
0: i figured i'd leave it up to that time when when that time was right when my higher power was ready to give me what he felt or she felt i was supposed to have yeah. it would come
1: so it sounds like you didn't put limitations on that miracle you were willing no. to embrace the miracle however it would come because you knew it would- having a family and children was something you wanted and you were you were willing to embrace it however it looked.
0: Yeah, and and I'm a very intuitive person so in my gut, in my, you know, in my thoughts, my future thoughts, and my future visions, mm-hmm. I saw a family. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like I I wasn't really worried about it because I knew I was going to have a family, whether it was a conventional family, unconventional, whatever that case would have been. Yeah. I knew I was going to have one. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know when and how and where, but I knew it was coming. And that's the thing. Like I, I feel that I'm blessed with that ability of, I don't really put that much weight into things like that. I mean, yeah, I'm devastated when things don't go my way or something happens, obviously. Um, but I don't, like you said, I don't put expectations or limitations on things. Yeah. And if stuff doesn't happen, (laughs) you know, I don't put so much into that because it just causes too much friction and it causes too much um, heartache.
1: Yeah. When you say that, I couldn't help but smile because it took me right back to when we worked together at Parkway and you always just, you had this light spirit and this hopeful spirit and this presence and I wasn't necessarily the most social person, I don't think, but I always would stop and talk to you. And one of your one of my favorite lines you would always say is faith, trust, and pixie dust. Yes. And I never forgot that, you know? Yes. And so where does your faith come from? You talked about having this intuition at a very young age. And I'm I'm calling some of this intuition faith. Where does it come from? And tell me about your background growing up and how what part that played or didn't play. So
0: I've always had a faith. I, I was just born that way. I've always had a connection and a relationship with my higher power. I've always, which I I personally call God. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had conversations. I've always felt spirits among me. My angels among me. Um, I've. I've always just had that sense of I know that I'm not alone. Yeah. Even if I'm in a room and nobody's around me, I know I'm not alone because I've got something with me. Yeah. Um, and when when I need strength and power, I know that I can lean into my faith to find that strength and power. Like we, I I say to people all the time, you know, um, there's a difference between praying and meditating. Yes. You pray to your higher power. When you need something, when you need that strength, when you need that guidance, yes. And then after you ask for whatever that prayer is, then you sit in silence and meditation, and that's when your higher power is going to answer you. That's when the that's when the answer to your question is going to come. It might not come right away. It might come days, weeks. It could even come years later. You never you never know. But um, that's when that's when you hear.
1: Yeah. And so in having your children, did you feel you were going through some of that process? Like the prayer was there, but then of course in our twenties, we don't always know our processes, but in retrospect, do you think you were going through some of that process of the prayer part and then the meditation part and then, you know, the blessing and the miracle? With my children? Yes, yes definitely. Yeah.
0: You, know, you I would pray just... First of all, you know, for them to be a, a healthy pregnancy and then a healthy baby, and both my girls were premature and they were in the NICU, and both were, you know, you don't expect to see your babies hooked up to monitors or having IVs shoved in their feet and because their veins are collapsing and stuff, and you know, you just walk in and say, God, just give me the strength and let let them pull through it, let them pull through it, let's get let's get through this moment mm-hmm. so we can get down to the next moment, yeah, and then. Um, you just surrender and, and give it up to that power. And I truly believe that you just deal with what you have in front of you. You don't try to worry about what's coming up next. I mean, obviously you should always in some way look forward just to have a plan, but you don't know really what's coming next. Like mm-hmm. obviously like where we're sitting right now, who would have known that we'd all be stuck in our homes like yes, this. Yes, yes. Um, you you pray, Yeah. And then you just surrender, let it go. Yeah. And then you just wait for the answer.
1: Mm.
0: And then you deal with the answer, whether that answer is your answer that you wanted or not. Because, you know, sometimes what you think is the wrong answer at the moment, like because it's not the answer you were looking for, could have been the right moment you just don't realize. Oh,
1: yes. Oh, yes. You're speaking to me on that one. (laughs) (laughs) And you said a very important word, which is surrender. Hmm. surrender is key to this process, to this faith walk, to allowing the power of miracles to work in your life. Is it possible to explain kind of the physical experience of what surrender is for you? For
0: me, surrendering is, it's pausing, physic, physically making myself pause in every aspect, and every sense of my body, and then take a couple deep breaths, And walk away from whatever it is that Mm -hmm. is causing me whatever Mm -hmm. disruption at that time, Mm -hmm. changing my focus, Mm -hmm. and then just letting it go. Sometimes you go back to it. Yeah. um, But when you finally truly surrender, you stop going back to it altogether, if that makes any kind of sense. Yes,
1: yes. Thank you. Um, I, I hear people say, use the word surrender. You just have to surrender. But, you know... In all honesty, not everybody knows what that means, right? Until you get into a practice of actually surrendering. So it's good for listeners to hear this kind of from a physical perspective. So let's talk about this new normal, because you mentioned earlier us all being stuck in our houses and not even realizing that we would come to this point. How has this new normal challenged some of your processes, when it comes to the meditation, the prayer, the faith, how have you been challenged and what do you do to help manage that?
0: It's been hard. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's been really hard. Mm -hmm. But I, um, again, fell back onto my faith as much as I possibly could. And all my tips and tools and my mindfulness and my self-care and my my background in yoga, I dug, I've i used them all, hmm. everything. Um, and I have gotten up every single morning and I meditate every morning and I journal every morning mm-hmm. and um, I make sure that I put something out there positive on my social media for people um, to feel uplifted and to have some hope because when I help people, it helps me yeah. as well. Yeah. And it's whatever I'm feeling at that moment, whatever feels I'm having. I feel like somebody might need to hear that too. Um, It's it's not necessarily that I need to tell them what to do. I want them to know that they're not alone. Yes, in how they're
1: feeling. Yes, yes, very good.
0: So, I mean, this is it's hard. I mean, my my biggest struggle, what keeps me up at night the most is I'm a first grade teacher. So I worry about my students. Are they eating? Are they safe? Um, Even just their emotional state and their, and their social state. And that's the thing that I've struggled the most with in this. Yeah.
1: So you're teaching. Tell us about the teaching experience because we all want something. You talked about at 18 or 19, wanting to be a teacher, but for a number of years, you never taught. Tell me about that journey to becoming a teacher, because I think it's good for listeners to hear that when you want something, sometimes it's going to come, but at the right time, your actual teaching moment didn't come till later in your life. So Mm -hmm. tell me about that journey to teaching.
0: Yeah. So like I said, I started out when I graduated from high school. I started at my local community college. I started taking classes, but then when I got sick, I had to drop out. Mm-hmm. And it was always my intention to go back. Um, but then um after having doubt that three years with being sick and then having endometriosis, and then when I got pregnant, my life became about being a mom. Yeah. And that's all my life was for, and still is like, that's my top priority is my kids are number one on my list. And then I was a stay-at-home mom, but I was always in their schools when it was, they were in preschool, when they were in um, elementary school, when they were in uh, middle school, I was like the PTA cupcake mom, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then I like working yeah. in their elementary school as a sub and then like as a parent, and then I was this uh, security monitor and that's when I met you. Yeah. And, um, I loved helping the teachers because A, they were helping my children. So obviously, if you're going to, if you're educating my kids, I'm going to do anything I can to support you. And B, that was just in my blood. Like I knew that eventually that's what I was going to do. And I can remember standing in uh, when my youngest was in middle school. And I think all three of them were in middle school that year. Mm -hmm. Um, The following year, Cody went over to um, the high school. But uh, I can remember standing watching the girls. They were cheerleading for the basketball team. And the the one English teacher walked up to me and she's like, so they're all here now. And I said, yeah, she goes, you know what that means. Right. And I said, what? She's like, you're going back to school so you can teach with us. Wow. Yeah. And that, that's it. It took somebody else telling me wow. that they saw something in me and wow. they believed in me yeah. to believe in myself. Wow. Because when you're a stay at home mom, yeah. um, what happens for a lot of us that are, or, sta- and were stay at home moms you know your whole life is around taking care of everybody else and we kind of lose our own identity and we kind of forget to take care of ourselves and i think that's why i'm so passionate about my self-care mm. um program that i have for women and um it took like maybe 24 hours and then i called the school <laughs> and and enrolled and you know i talked to scott about it and he was on board about with it and it was an interesting transition I had been out of school for I don't count, I don't even want to count how yes. many years yes. you know so to go back into traditional like history class and English class and math class yeah. and, um, that was that was hard and I chose the route of online okay. because my yeah. husband was working yeah. and traveling a lot three kids all active they each were doing at least a sport and two sports sometimes at a time. Yeah. Um, so there was running them back and forth. So I would literally start my schoolwork at like nine o'clock at night and I would go to bed for a few hours and I'd roll into <laughs> parkway in the morning with the coffee in the wow. hand and start my day over. It was intense. It it took me, it took me five years because I did burn out. It was supposed to be a four year program and I, I needed a break yeah in between some of it um, because I just was burnt out. I'm glad that I did it. But if I could go back in time and redo anything, the only thing I would have done when I was the stay-at-home mom was I would have gone to school then. Mm. And even if it had taken me longer, Mm -hmm. I would have done it then. That way I was prepared to walk out the door to find a job when I was ready for them, like when I felt that they were, you know, to the point where I didn't have to be home all the time. Just if that makes
1: sense. Yeah, Yeah. So what kept you going? Because that's grueling. Like you have a full house with three busy kids. Your husband has a busy schedule. And I know as a stay at home mom, that's no easy task either. Mm. Um, you have different things that you're doing, even though you're out of the house going to work, there's still components of being a stay at home mom that you continue to do and school at night. What kept you going?
0: Basically, I'm going to use the word fear and I don't mean it in a bad way. Um, and I actually fearless is one of my, my words, you know, when people are like, what's your affirmation (laughs) for Fearless. Because what happened in that during that time period, um, I had a, a good friend and her father passed away. And her mother was solely dependent on her father. Mm-hmm. And when he passed, she had nothing. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, it was the first time in my life I thought, oh gosh what if something were to happen to my husband? Yeah. How am I going to take care of these kids by myself? So it was more of a fear of, I need to get my degree, mm. become employed and get health benefits. So if God forbid, I'm the only one because something, God forbid happened to my husband, yeah. I can take care of yeah. them. That was my driving force. Yeah. And the the knowing that, that's what I was meant to do.
1: Yeah. Good point. I'm glad you added that because it's a combination of factors, especially when you're pushing yourself through something so intense and grueling. So what impact did that have on your marriage? Because you all have been going strong for years. What was the impact on your marriage? Because this was a whole new normal at the time.
0: It was a struggle in the sense of because now we were disrupting our family norm of schedules. And I include this in my self-care program uh, and and explain to people that the things that we do, we do out of habit because we created them. So when you get up, you get up, it's a habit because that's the time that you made yourself get up. You know, you eat your breakfast at a certain time, you eat your lunch, you eat your dinner, but the things that you do in your life are habits that you create it. And the way that people treat you is a reflection on the way that you've allowed them to yes. treat you. So I had been always the the cook and the, and the, and the cleaner and the, you know, I was doing all the, the house things and it got to that point where people were going to have to start chipping in. Mm. And you know, with anything there's resistance in the beginning and I learned the hard way that they don't know what I want unless I open my mouth and ask them. I can't assume that they're going to know that I want them to do something. Yes. So it was. Was it a struggle? Yes. Uh, were there difficult times? Yes. But in the process, it was a great learning experience in the in the way that I really truly found and understood what communicating means Hmm. to people Mm -hmm. and that people can't read your mind. Mm -hmm. And unless you open your mouth and use your voice, you're not going to be heard. Mm.
1: It's all on you. It's not them. It's you. Mm -hmm. And how did you come to that realization? Were you like, Reading books, getting self help, talking to your mom, your sister, friends. What? How did you come to that realization that it was about the communication?
0: I read a lot of self help
1: books. <laughs> <You do. laughs>
0: um, I follow. I have a lot of mentors and teachers that I I follow. I've taken um, many courses uh, through them. Honestly. Through my yoga practice mm-hmm. as well, you know, when I began yoga, I thought yoga was all about the asana was all about the, the physical practice, because I'll be truthful and honest with you, like I started practicing yoga, because I wanted to touch my toes and do like crazy bends and stuff wow. like that. I didn't realize until I was actually into the yoga practice going to yoga studios, listening to um, amazing yoga teachers and learning the philosophy of yoga that I've been a yogi my entire life because I was following this philosophies. I just didn't know what they were. That's when I started to understand and understanding myself, understanding what it means to be a human, Mm -hmm. what it means to interact with humans
1: Mm -hmm. What is that? What is some of the yoga philosophy for those listeners that are either newbies or just kind of want to clarify some of their understanding? Tell us more about the yoga philosophy.
0: So, just like any religion, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people think of yoga as a religion, but it, it it really isn't. I mean, a lot of some religions incorporate parts of yoga into it, but basically, it's be kind. To others and be kind to yourself. And that's where um, most people drop the ball on the second part. Be kind to yourself. And really, that should be the first thing you say, not the second thing, because until you're kind and loving to yourself, how do you expect to be kind and loving to
1: others? Exactly.
0: So, in my practice of self awareness and 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 self-reflection I've learned to accept my flaws as who I am mm-hmm. and they're not really flaws mm-hmm. that they're just who I am and if I make a mistake it's okay yeah because everybody makes a mistake and you get up and you move forward yeah and sometimes your biggest mistake is your best lesson. <laughs>
1: Yes, you are so right. I like to say that, you know, our weaknesses are really, you know, these underlying elements of strength. We just don't know it until we know it. Yes. So it's the same idea there. I believe that wholeheartedly, but it's a process to get to that point. It you is. Know? And you have to want to get there. It's like what we talked about earlier. There are these many components that have to come together to help you to move forward in that. so
0: Wanting it and accepting it, what's going to make it happen. You can know, you can learn all the things, you can have all the knowledge, but until you apply that knowledge, nothing's going to happen. But you have to want to apply that knowledge. And if if something, and I'll, I'll flip it too, if something's happening to you in a negative way that you don't really like, The minute you accept that it's happening to you is the minute you're going to be able to flip it around, right? So like when you're not accepting something, you're causing friction. You're fighting with it. You're just constant. It's just, it's just all bad there. But when you step back and see it and acknowledge it for what it is and go, hmm, okay, I see it. That's what it is. And then you can figure out how to push through it. Yeah like I, I do a mindfulness, oh, so I'm so sad. On Wednesdays, I was holding a mindfulness um, class for the staff in my, in my building. Uh-huh. And I would tell them, you know, whatever you're going through, whatever that problem is, or maybe it's just an icky feeling that you have in your body, whatever it is, you've got to let it sit there. Yeah. Just, just let it sit there, acknowledge it. And then you got to go through it. You can't yes. act like it's not happening. Yes, you yes, can't yes, act yes, like yes. it's just going to go away. Yes. You got to push through it because you can't go over it and you can't go under <laughs> it because you're just going to keep spinning in the circle. Yes.
1: Oh my right? god. That's so true. got to push it through it. Yeah. And it, it that that's the part that hurts or it's hard is when you go through mm-hmm. it because you're facing things about yourself. And Right. In my experience, that has been difficult for me, but you have to want to do that and face it and realize, okay, there are components of me that are the way they are. And this is why things have happened because I am the way I am. And, you know, that's how you have to kind of push through that. It's difficult.
0: Right. And as, as much as you need to accept yourself for how you are, you have to accept the people around you uh-huh. for how they are. You cannot, you cannot expect people to change for you yeah. because if they're changing for you, then they're not being their true authentic yeah. self and it's not going to work. Yes, I, I can remember, you know, struggling, um, from that transition of stay at home mom and doing everything and then asking him to do things and, over time, it happens, and then it falls off because I mean, let's let's be real here. Like, I'll leave things laying yeah. around too, so I'm not perfect exactly. either. Um.
1: <laughs> I want to talk about your new platform, but with, before we get to that, one important piece of who you are in your life that I wanted to discuss was death. I remember there was a period of years where it seemed like somebody in your life, important to you, was passing. And you still seem to have such a resilient spirit. So talk to me about death and how that really works within you and your spirit.
0: Yeah. So that time frame, there we had lost seven family members and the family dog mm. in four years. Wow. It was devastating and a, and a lot um, and ranging from different you know ages and health conditions and stuff so I was not a stranger to death. Uh, I, I think I was about I want to say I was probably nine when I went to my first funeral okay. I, I'm I'm very grateful that my parents although you know they sheltered me from a lot of things they didn't shelter me from what life really okay. is. And death is just part of life. You've, there's three things that you can count on in your life. You're going to be you're going to be born. Mm-hmm. You're going to live your life through a tremendous amount of change, and then you're going to die. Yeah. Those are the three things that are definitely going to happen in yeah. your life. And my great grandfather had passed away, and I went to the funeral, and I was you know obviously devastated and upset, and I was expecting to walk in and see my grandmother crying. And instead she grabbed my hand and my I have a twin sister. She grabbed our hands and she's like, it's okay to be sad and it's okay to be, and to cry, but it's not really a sad occasion because he's at peace.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's not hurting. And she took us over to the coffin. She's like, do you see he's, he's, he's at peace. Wow. And at that moment, I realized that although yes, death is, you know, you, you lose that physical person, you lose that vessel. Yeah that person stays with you yeah. forever. Yeah. If you're in my case and you're spiritual like me, they come back and visit you. Yeah. Um, uh so, you know, I wasn't af- I wasn't afraid of yeah. death. What upsets me is when I see how it hurts other people when they lose that yes. attachment. Yes, 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 yes. I I get it. I I truly get it and you know, and there's a grieving process, you know, there's seven stages to grieving and you're, and you actually, we're all grieving right now going through this pandemic yeah. because we've lost our lives yeah. from what they were, but, you know, at some point you have to accept that the body is gone. Yeah. And the spirit lives on and the spirit lives on through, you know, it's, it's your choice to allow somebody's spirit to live within you because you still talk about them and you remember them and, you know, you can still, you can have conversations with them. And, um, if you're open to it, I believe that they'll speak to you. For me, my, my two, my mother's parents come to me in Cardinals and my, my father's parents come to me in, uh, Blue Jays. Really? So when I see them, I know that they're around.
1: Wow. So how do you know that? Like, is that just something that connected in your spirit? Yeah,
0: it just, they, it's just, to me, that's who they were. Uh, You know, blue, blue jays are like prominent and they're there and, you know, they would bicker with each other and, but they were loving and mm -hmm. they were just colorful to me. And it was just a great time, if that makes sense. And that's what I, when I look at a blue jay, that's kind of what I think of them. And then with Cardinals, um, it's more like a subdued and a soft and a subtle kind of, um, look about them, but they're there, they're present. And, you know, you can ask for signs. You can say, um, sometimes I'll just, you know, I'll like my grandmother would always look at squirrels. We, you know, she had a thing for squirrels. And sometimes if I'll, if I'm walking outside, um, I will just be like, Graham, I I just need to see you right now, or I just, I I need your presence and I'll, I'll turn and there'll be a squirrel. Mm. So sometimes you just can just ask for the sign and it'll come to you. Yeah.
1: I don't have that same experience. And I think for me, death still like shakes me and I don't know how I'll ever kind of come to peace with it. I am just so enamored with the fact that you have such peace, not to say that you don't deal with the emotion and the sadness but your spirit doesn't carry like this whole heaviness from all of that. That's powerful to me.
0: I I truly believe that when you leave your vessel, your body, mm-hmm. you're not gone. Mm-hmm. Your energy is still here and still around. And um, if you do enough in your lifetime to make an impact, and you don't have to make an impact on the world. It could be just your close family yeah. and friends. Yeah. You're never gonna leave. My uncle passed away in um, 1988. He was like 32 years old, and I was um, six, 16 or 17, 17 at the yeah. time. We still talk about him like he's still, you know, around hmm. because we carry his legacy and. Um, he has such a strong personality, and he has such a strong presence to all yeah. of us. In the sense that he just made us happy yeah. all the time. Yeah, because whatever you put out is what you're going to
1: receive yes, back. Exactly.
0: So if you're walking around in in a negative, nelly state of mind where nothing's going to go your way, then nothing's going to go your way. Yep. You know, we always say, you know, there's in in yoga like. There's one way to make yourself happy, and that's just to turn those corners Mm -hmm. of your mouth Mm -hmm. up and smile,
1: right? I I sometimes consciously will say, can you just turn the corners up? And it's the weirdest feeling, and then your whole energy changes once you settle into the smile.
0: A lot of us yoga teachers, we use that during class because when we know that people are going to be struggling in a a pose, we'll be like, okay, now smile. (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's great. So tell me about your new YouTube channel, because I know you just posted about it and I'm excited to subscribe. I haven't done it yet because I need to get there, but tell me about it. Tell our listeners about it and what they can expect.
0: Yeah, I was, I was excited about this. Something I've been wanting to do for a while. And when this pandemic hit, I started um, recording videos, just talking about, you know, again, like I said before, like about whatever I was feeling at the moment and I was giving just suggestions and tools that my teachers have given to me, mm-hmm. um, to try to help them and ease them through what, you know, what we're all going through. Um, and again, so they didn't feel like they were alone. So I started the YouTube channel, um, because I wanted to have a place to store all the videos, mm-hmm. um, So anything that I make going forward, I'm going to, I'll put it on my Facebook page as well, but I'm going to put them on there so that, you know, you could go in there and easily instead of scrolling through the Facebook, trying to find them. I also put them on, um, my Instagram story as well, but, um, it's just a place where I wanted to, I wanted to make, I wanted to make a space for people to be able to go to when they needed, um, comfort when they needed some guidance, um, and they needed to just know that they weren't alone in feeling whatever it is that they're feeling yeah.
1: at the moment. Yeah. And for those of you listening, I'll make sure to include all of Chrissy's links to her social media in the show notes. So make sure you check that out and don't forget. Ooh. What are you reading right now?
0: I am reading Dave Hollis's book get out of your own way. It's Dave Hollis. He is the husband to Rachel Hollis. She wrote the book. um, Yes. So girl wash your face and then girls stop apologizing. And Dave is her husband and I'm a huge follower and fan of both of them. I am Chrissy Kohut and I am disrupting balance by saying yes to myself.
1: Thank you for listening to disrupting balance to learn more about how i'm in disrupting balance follow me on twitter instagram facebook and pinterest at disrupting balance you can also check out my website at www.disruptingbalance.com to get podcast updates and news from the balance disruptor community about how you can become your very own master and balancepreneur talk soon